This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Andrea Bogart is the CEO and owner of The Lady Shooting Journal. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because she has a really fascinating entry into hunting um, that spans from an anti-hunting sort of vegan, vegetarian perspective to a true understanding of what hunting actually means. It's a short, sharp conversation, just how we like it, about someone who got introduced to hunting very late in life and really has their head on straight when it comes to understanding what hunting means to them. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple, is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Does <laughs> my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. <laughs> I complain to my I complain to my UK cinematographers that they don't ever give me any good sweets i'm a big sweets guy and uh, um, so what's your palate do you like nuts chocolate no no gummies. Swedish fish like Swedish fish literally Swedish fish was the bomb when i was a south african 10 years oh i'm still a south african but <laughs> 20 years ago change? 25 years ago when, um, no, I've been in this country 20 years, so now we're talking 35 years ago, when Americans used to come to South Africa to study. And okay. I was in the field with these Americans. 
they would bring like the the big like gallon box of Swedish fish for me. So, um, huge fan of that. Um, but I'm into the Haribo gummies, but you can't get the proper Haribo gummies here in the United States. Okay. So the uh, Slots Media Boys, who are the guys that are my cinematography crew out of the UK that go to New Zealand for me and Africa for me and stuff like that. The last trip we were on, they brought like family bags of Haribo, good ones. And um, <laughs> I'm going to have to write that down. I've never tried those. Yeah, Haribo's good. You just don't get the good stuff here. So just, they're good. Don't get me wrong. The star mix is good. The, I think these are called like dueling snakes or something, which is like sweet and sour. But anyway, huh. just rambling. All right. Just rambling. Yes, I, I have to I have to write that down because I'm always looking for interesting tidbits. So mm-hmm. not a not a big sweets person, but a lot of clients are. I spent the entire weekend uh, with Fritz, by the way. Oh, how's Fritzy? The same old, same old. Looks like a cat <laughs> scratched him on his face after falling down an escalator. <laughs> Did he fall down another escalator? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sure he okay. He is not. And Russ and him have had, like, I think, strict instructions from Russ's girl to say, look after each other, Tweedledee and Tweedledum kind of scenario. <laughs> Wait, which one is Tweedledum? That's what I want to know. I'm not saying. <laughs> so which show did you just get back from? Was it the Western Hunt Expo? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I spent How a couple of days there. It was good. It was good. It's a really cool show. What I loved about it is this. Is when you looked around the room and you sort of guessed the median age in the place. It was probably 35 mm-hmm. to 45. Median age. Really? Mm-hmm. It was really that good. And then you had like then you had gaggles of like, you know, 14 year old guys and 15 year old kids with flat brim hats running around, you know, it's just the culture there. It's just, um, it's different. It's not a Dallas Safari Club or SCI, which, you know, you, you typically find a much older demographic walking around. It was very, very young, right. very, very, um, yeah, it was very promising. That is that, that provides a lot of hope. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrea Bogard, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be Lady here. Lady shooter journal owner extraordinaire. <laughs> that, that is one of the hats I wear, yes, sir. <laughs> well, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, for those that may not know who you are. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Andrea Bogard. I am a Northern Michigan native, and I still reside in Northern Michigan. Um, I am about three weeks away from the big four zero, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I have two wonderful boys. They are 16 and 8, and a fabulous ex-husband. Uh, we were married almost 18 years, and he is a marvelous human being. I could not ask for a better man to raise kids with. Um, I've been a competitive shooter since about 12. I uh, started with handgun. And worked my way into shotgunning and uh, became an instructor at 18. I was the youngest NSCA instructor uh, in the nation at that particular point in time at 18 years and three months. Um, And then uh, I just kind of took a hiatus from the hunting and shoot well from shooting. I was not a hunter. And uh, my 
my now ex-husband um, was a hunter and, and is a hunter and took me out a few times, but it was overall kind of an uninspiring experience, but we can circle back to that. Mm. Uh, and then uh, in my, well, let's see, it would be mid-30s, so about five years ago, uh, I decided that I needed, I needed something for me, and I wasn't sure what that was, and I'd been shooting for a long time, and uh, I'd been hunting once, I'd harvested one deer, um, but it, I really didn't feel like I got what I should have out of the experience. Um, and uh, I decided at 34, I am going to drive across the country and uh, I'm going to go on a pheasant hunt. So I packed up my Suburban and uh, shotguns and I met up with 17 women I had never met before out in South Dakota and went on a pheasant hunt. So that would be the wonderful Kirsty Pike, who owns Proas out of Colorado. Okay. And uh, hit the ground running with hunting. So I've followed Blood Origins for a while now, and the stories, they resonate so much because mm. the, the whole experience of hunting, it's so visceral and it's, it's so based in, it's so based in, the, in these primal concepts. And I, I think it's, it's experienced a little differently, not better or worse, but differently um, when you don't grow up doing it, when it's not something in the DNA that you're raised in, but rather the DNA that you're born with, but you don't discover until later in life. So the, the work that you do just absolutely inspires me, and I love listening to it. So well, thank you so much it. for the opportunity. No, thank you for the, the humbling and kind words. Uh, days like today doesn't seem like, it, you know, they, they say it's a thankless job, and it certainly is. When you post about wolves, like I'm posting today on Instagram, it's just like a denigrating conversation, unfortunately. So, um, Yes. No, uh, so really, the reason I wanted to have you on is because I read a little bit about sort of your sort of your introduction to to being a hunter, and I think I wanted to just explore that a little bit and just talk through that and let people that listen to this because we have a very diverse audience that are hunters and non-hunters and people looking to hunt and you know all sorts of things across the board. So. You didn't grow up a hunter? I did not, no. But you grew up in Michigan? I grew up in Michigan. <laughs> yes. Like one of the most outdoorsy hunting states that there is. Yes, very true. I actually grew up, though, even though I did start shooting in my teens, I actually grew up in a fairly anti-gun household, at least as far as uh, my mom was concerned. Um, my dad had guns, but it was not something that was um, discussed or touched on or really condoned uh, in any way, shape, or form around my mom. Um, so that was that was a very interesting conundrum. To well, how'd you do that if you if you started shooting at twelve? If everyone was anti-gun in the house? <laughs> well. One day, it was a beautiful August Saturday, my mom was down visiting her mother, and my dad, uh, who was the father to two daughters, said, hey, it's a beautiful day. Let's go to the range. So mm. he, he took his daughter, who, uh, that, me, uh, who had been a competitive figure skater and ballet dancer, singer, um, pianist, the whole thing, and uh, we went to the range. And I fell in love with it. And one of the incredible things about the gun range uh, that, that has been my experience, at least over the last 25 years or so, 
is how open everybody is and how they they really want to bring you into the fold uh so at 12 years old never picked up a gun before i started with my dad's 22 and by the end of the day i had shot a handful of nines 45 44 um a, a whole host of different platforms 1911s glocks um, assortment of polymer type frames um, all the way up to a 454 casul which was really it was such a fun introduction and i never i have never forgotten that day and i've never your, forgotten your dad had all these guns or they were just there to be used no all the guys at the range did oh, okay 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 they just kept handing me guns and handing me ammo and say here you go try it have fun mm -hmm. and to this day i've had so many incredible experiences at the range but there's nothing that quite parallels that that first day of just being able to experience all that so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so didn't grow up hunting what was your first exposure to well let me before this let me ask this did you have a a perception of hunting and hunters i did yeah i had a, a very negative one um so in my teens i actually uh became a vegetarian for a while and then i went full-on vegan um did that for about two years. I was not real successful at it. Um, but uh, my my reasoning wasn't so much, uh, you know, save the animals type thing. It, it was more of a health thing at that time for me uh, because I was running a lot. I was dancing um, and I, I was trying to get as lean as I possibly could. And uh, little did I know that the dietary choices that I was making actually had the opposite effect. Mm. But I mean, that's, that's a whole separate conversation. Um, but I, I met a guy when I was uh, 19, and he was a hunter. And uh, I was not, not happy with that. I just I couldn't understand why he had to go out and kill animals. That was so, it was so inhumane. Why couldn't he just go to the grocery store like everybody else and get his meat that way? I mean, why do you have to kill them? Um, that, that, was, that, that was the narrative that was playing in my head. Uh, and so I, I was at the point we dated for four or five months, and uh, I was actually at the point where I was most likely going to break up with him because he was a hunter. Hmm. Um, and he had taken me hunting once or twice, and it wasn't a great experience because not so much from the standpoint of getting something or not getting something because he'd never, he didn't shoot anything either time that I went. Um, but I didn't have clothes that fit. Um, I was cold. Um, and I was honestly very afraid of heights. Uh, and so climbing me up a rickety ladder into a tree stand and sitting for four hours in the cold in clothes that weren't mine and that didn't fit wasn't a real like promotional bell ringer when it came to, yes, I want to go out and do this again. So um, I was getting ready to break up with him and I went on a photo safari in Yellowstone. Uh, so I was, I graduated from college. Uh, I graduated a little bit early and uh, kind of was taking a little bit of a break to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I knew photography was a big thing for me. And so I went on this photo safari out in Yellowstone and uh, the, the entire group, I, I would say the makeup of the group was very anti-hunter. Um, it was all... But so were um, you, right? So was I, Yes. So I, I spent four or five days just percolating in the juices of 
this anti-hunting sentiment and was fully committed to breaking up with him when we got home and, or when I got home and uh, ended up one night, we're sitting in a snowbank in like January in Yellowstone. It's 30 below and there's this beautiful, beautiful vista um, of uh, like this field and there's this tree line and we can see a whole bunch of uh, cow elk yarded up uh, in this, this tree line. And all of a sudden, we hear this, this howl. And out in the middle of the field, right on top of this little rise, there is a wolf. And we watch it, and it, it turns, fork, like, like it really turns like in a compass and howls each time. Mm. And it was the eeriest thing because it was, it was dark, the moon was up, and it was something just out of a movie. It, that's the only way I could describe it. Um, the lighting was perfect. The air had that just eviscerating cold. You know, you, mm -hmm. you breathe in and it just sears your lungs. Um, and so the, the elk, they were getting restless. And uh, about a half a dozen of them came out of the trees. And at this time, about four or five other um, wolves had come out and joined this other one. And so we actually watched as these these elk kind of made their way out of the tree line. We actually watched um, these wolves take down one of the smaller cows toward the back. And I thought to myself, especially after hearing, like the, the sound is what really stuck with me. After hearing that and watching that and you, you see the, the fresh kill on the snow. It's like, okay. A humane hunter, a humane kill from a hunter has got to be it, it, at least on par or better with what Mother Nature can dish out. And so at that point, I was, I was open to learning more. I wasn't convinced I wanted to hunt, but I was open to the possibility that Mother Nature was really cruel, and I'd never experienced that quite in that manner. And so there might be something to the mm. hunting. It might not be as bad as I think it is. Uh, so I came home with a different perspective. Um, I ended up not breaking up with him. I married him. How did people um, qualify the – how did people – how did those people maybe on the tour, if they did any – did anybody qualify why it was okay, humane, not humane? You know, what I'm trying to get at here is uh, – the the anti hunting establishment will say that that's okay mm -hmm. because that's natural. I think that I think that that is one rationale. Um, honestly, and I, I wish I had been a little bit older and had a stronger um, mm, I guess a broader view. I wish I would have asked more questions in that situation um, because there was so much to that experience. And I think we were all so just shocked by, by watching that and experiencing that and seeing that there really wasn't any dialogue after that. Um, it, it was the quietest ride back to the hotel out of the entire week. Mm. Uh, nobody had anything to say. Um, and my, my worst regret is I had a hard drive crash shortly after that. 
and I don't have any of the pictures from that. Oh, so man. that's the worst part. <laughs> um, but I, in hindsight, I would love to revisit that group of people and knowing what I know now and knowing what I do, I would love to, I would love to have those conversations because mm-hmm. I didn't know what conversations to have at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating, um, it's, it's a fascinating argument and dialogue because it, uh, one, firstly, I think at the core of the matter is determining whether humans are apart from nature or a part of Oh, nature. I love that. That's a very distinct difference, isn't it? Not really. It's the same word, just broken into two parts. <laughs> True. Uh, <clears throat> distinct intent. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, it's the intent that if you do, you believe that the human race is intricately tied in with the ecosystem, or do you think we are a separate and apart from the ecosystem? And for all intents and purposes, from the beginning of humankind, we have been intrinsically connected to Mother Nature mm-hmm. and her cycles. And we've yes. been on the earth, you know, not in the abundance that we are today and not with the industrial scale of technology that we have today, of course. But we've been a part of Mother Nature since however you want to determine whether you're a creationist or, uh, you know, evolutionist or um, what is um, a bioecologist. No, no, it's not a, not a bioecologist. It's a, there's another term for someone. I, and I actually fit into that world, which is, it's like not a bioethicist. It's a biologan or something like that, which means you believe both in creation and evolution. And it's called a what? Um, I cannot remember. I'm making huh. shit up now. Biologan is not it. Um, well, uh, you're good at it. Yeah. Well, you got to bullshit with confidence when you when you like say something again. Um, that is true. It's I can't remember what it is, but it's I'll have to look it up. I've got a book about it. Um, okay. In which you because that's certainly believe in evolution, sense. and this evolution exists, and you can see it, and you can show examples of it. Certainly, there's lots of missing links that are still sort of um, out there, you know, for you to try and discover. But then you also believe that there's a greater power that has infinite wisdom and infinite infinite intelligence that why would he not put this sort of breadcrumb trail for you to discover and for you to to work with and to put your mind to and to to grow in your intelligence? And when you get to heaven one day, he's gonna be, he's gonna be like, ah, you were close, but this you got wrong, this you got wrong. And you're like, ah, shit. That's right. <laughs> I love that approach, though. It's very dynamic. It's just you know, it's how I think of things, and you know, I you look in the if you look in the Bible and you break it down scientifically in terms of, um, you know, you know the, the whether a day is a day or whether a day is you know ten million years kind of scenario and. You know, if you look at species of animals being looked at as kinds, and you've got one kind of canid that created all canids, one kind of felid that created all felids, and one kind of bovid that created all bovids, um, then scientifically, again, you can look at Noah's Ark and you can fit all these t- kinds of animals in there scientifically mm-hmm. with a mathematical how much food they need, how much water they need, how much space they need. Yeah, it's um, sort of just where I, where I sit. I, I think that is especially with what you do, 
I, I think that that is a, a beautifully open and positive perspective. Yeah, but I and just want to remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there is that fatal flaw. <laughs> yep, definite fatal flaw. So, have, in you've obviously now been hunting for quite some time. Um, ten last ten years or so, or five uh, years? Five you years. said five years, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, my uh, I I went on the Proest pheasant hunt, uh, November twenty seventeen. So what what made you decide to make this switch? Like, what was the why? What was the for someone listening to say, well, I've hunted once or twice, but what made you like say, okay, no, I'm serious. I want to do this more. I uh, it, it was a very specific moment, um, and I actually wrote an article about it a couple of years ago. Um, and I was actually writing for someone else, and I was finally able to kind of distill down um, what's my why. Um, you know, why, why did I start? Um, and the biggest thing for me at that particular moment was based on all of the other, um, circumstances that I was in at the time, um, personally, professionally, um, as a mom, I felt like I was, was constantly in, um, I felt like I was constantly the prey. Like I did not feel like I had any uh any say or any um any ability to affect my circumstance or my environment uh, i felt as though i was in a gerbil wheel of um i all i did was sleep raise kids and and work and i loved what i did but i'd been doing it since i was 17 years old and I, i've owned the same company uh since i was 17 and i i just needed I needed something that made me feel competent, capable, strong, uh, and, and confident. I was completely lacking that at that particular point in life. And um, so I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try this. I know my way around a shotgun. Um, I've never met these women before. And I haven't done anything for myself in 13 years. So um, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. and. If it turns out great, if it doesn't, it's all right. It's an adventure. And so at that moment, the moment that I decided I wanted to start hunting, um, I knew I wanted to say yes to adventures. I wanted to say yes to life. I didn't, I didn't feel happy anymore letting, letting life pass by. I, I, wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a dominant force uh, within the world around me. I didn't want to be a spectator. Uh, I I wanted to I wanted to get involved and I wanted to get my hands dirty and I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and I I didn't know if I would be any good at it. I didn't know, you know, when that rooster goes up, am I going to be able to pull the trigger? I know I can hit it, but mm -hmm. am I actually going to be able to overcome that that moment in my mind, that split second decision, and pull the trigger? And how will I feel after? Um, so I went out, I had an incredible time. I felt as though I opened the door to a, a part of me that had been partitioned off. Uh, it had always been there, but I felt as though I was able to open the door into that space. And for the first time in my life, my soul wasn't divided. It, it was, there was congruency, there was alignment, there was, um, 
there, there was, there was flow. Um, I, I go to the chiropractor every Monday and I can tell if I miss an appointment because I don't feel like I have my energy flowing the way that it needs to. And, and for me, that's, um, that, that's what hunting and everything surrounding it, the, the people, the conversations, the, the being outside, the, the, the shooting, the, the practice, the, the mental game prep, um, all of that brings that congruency together for me. Does that make mm. sense? Well, it does, but I, I guess maybe a, a question is why do you feel like hunting did, could do that for you? Why didn't you feel like you could do, go do something else from an adventure perspective? Um, or was it just the thing that came along first and you were like, oh, I'm just going to do it, and then that was that? Part of it was um, it, at that point, I was grasping for some type of commonality uh, with my spouse, and he hunted. And I thought, okay, maybe I can kill a couple birds with one stone here. Mm. And I can, I can not only open up this door to a piece of me I feel is missing as far as the competence and the confidence and um, the passion for life, uh, but we can do something together. And there will be something there that we can talk about and discuss besides children. That makes sense. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, where are we today? So, where are we today? Um, I have had the opportunity um, through absolutely divine intervention uh, to hunt places that were way out of my uh, my realm, um, both skill wise uh, and just life opportunity wise. Uh, but doors opened, and uh, I've been able to hunt Alaska. I've been able to hunt Africa, South America, uh, through a lot of the work that I've done through different conservation organizations. I've hunted 19 states in the U.S., um, whether actually being behind the gun or the bow or documenting others. Um, I've been able to be boots on the ground in a lot of places. And I am, I am so grateful because it has opened up... Um, it's opened up ways for me, especially to connect with my oldest, uh, who's 16. Uh, he is one of the most passionate outdoorsmen I've ever encountered. Um, he, his first love is really fishing, um, but uh, he, he's an amazing hunter, amazing shooter. Um, but the, the thing with, that I found with the hunting world is the people are absolutely magnificent. They are, they're so diverse. I mean, as you said, you know, the, the difference between a, like a DSC or an SCI and the Western Hunt Expo, and there's, there are so many different uh, groups of people. It's, it's a melting pot of humanity. And I love the stories. I, I truly believe that my favorite moments are sitting at a hunting camp um, with a glass of whiskey and a cigar around a fire <laughs> and listening <laughs> into the stories. I, I, I love them. I absolutely love them. I love soaking them in. I, I love the moments that people relay over and over again. And uh, you, you feel like you were there. And I love that aspect of, um, of hunting, the camp and the stories. And I didn't realize um, until this year, just due to scheduling and things, I didn't really have a hunting camp experience. And I did not realize how 
just how critical that is, at least to me. Um, now it did open up some really other uh, or some really amazing other opportunities and insights into hunting and why I love it. Um, but that's definitely something that, that ranks up there in importance is the camp, yeah, yeah. the community. Well, certainly, you know, women hunters are the fastest growing demographic in the hunting space right now. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, stories like that about how people get into hunting and why you hunt is certainly important to that demographic. Um, have you experienced any sort of negativity as a woman hunter? Um, you know, it's funny. I had this conversation the other night um, on a, a podcast for uh, a local bird guide. Um, I can't say that I have. Um, I, I truly, I, I think that you're going to meet people you aren't crazy about in any situation. Um, to be absolutely brutally honest, the only negative experience I have ever had as a hunter was actually with another woman hunter. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things that I love about hunting is it, it should be, and it is for the most part, uh, a place in a space where it's very primal and you check your ego at the door and you are there in a sacred pursuit. That's how I look at it. Andrea, this and is the hunting industry. It's full of ego. <laughs> Nobody see, checks their ego at the door. Come on now. Let's I be don't reality. See it. I don't see it though. I. Oh my I, God. Have you not been on social media lately? You know, I try to ignore it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, ignorance um, isn't bliss in this scenario. So, I, it's... No, it's not. And, and I, I know that on social media and with the keyboard warriors, yes, you have tons of ego. But what I'm referring to is when you're actually out in the field and you're actually behind the gun, that, that's what I'm talking about hunting. I'm not talking about all the bullshit that you see at the conventions and the guys who are talking about, well, you know, you can't shoot this at that because of all these reasons. Um, I, I'm talking about the hair in the scope. I'm talking about when you are, when it's just you and the animal. And I get the opportunity to stand there beside a lot of hunters and not hunt. I just get to absorb the experience. And I, I love, I love those moments when the mm -hmm. egos are checked at the door. To me, that's, that's hunting. The rest of it's just life. There, mm -hmm. there are going to be egocentric jerks everywhere, whether it's in the hunting industry, fishing, surfing, skiing, whatever it is. Um, you, you're going to find that. But yep. I like those real moments when you're actually in the field. That's when the ego should be checked at the door. And that's mostly what I see. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. No, I don't, I don't get to hunt very much at all anymore for myself. And rarely do I get to hunt with people. So um, I just don't have that experience. And um, no, it, it's good to hear. It's really good to hear. Yes. I, I had an opportunity last year, uh, last year or two years ago, um, Federal and um, Vista uh, hired me to go on a hunt. Uh, it was an all-women's hunt uh, out in Wyoming. And uh, for the record, this was not the negative female hunter experience. Okay. That was okay. a different different event. Um, but I had, I had this opportunity and I wasn't going to take it because from a, a timing standpoint, it just, it wasn't ideal, but they reached out about two weeks before the event again and said, Andrea, we'd really like you 
to come and, and do this. We could staff it out internally, but we're not going to have the fresh eyes. Like we can have our own company and people write, you know, what we want. But um, so the, my, my hunter that I was focusing on, uh, her name was Rue Map, and uh, she is a CEO. Okay. You know who she is. San Francisco. Um, yep. Outdoor Afro. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was one of the most amazing hunts to be on. Um, I hunted with her every day and she hunted hard. She had every type of, of hunting style that you could possibly imagine. We did spot and stalk, you know, crawling on our belly through sagebrush. Um, we went up and sat in a stand. We brushed in blinds down in the timber. We did everything. So with like eight minutes of light on the last night, she got a beautiful buck. She made a perfect shot. Um, and her her grace and her just her internalization of the process throughout the whole thing was was amazing. But there was one picture, and even with all the camera gear I was carrying, there was one picture, and I got it with my phone, um, that I took of her because uh, all my camera gear was in the truck. And she was standing there um, getting ready to go uh, up into the blind. And she had her gun slung up, and she was standing there, and she was praying. And I talked to her later after I got the picture, and we got in for the night. And uh, she she told me that she had been praying for the the grace to see and know whatever it was that she was supposed to learn from this process. And I took so much from that because so many times we are so outcome-focused. And the the performance aspect of it, and she was so immersed in the process, mm-hmm. and that was just an awesome lesson for me because I am I'm looking for the story. I'm looking to to tell the story. I'm looking for the you know the pictures, looking for the images, all that. But to just sit and soak up the process, that was such a great reminder. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that. Um... Somebody listening to this is saying the same thing about, you know, potentially what you're saying and, and your journey up until now. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's certainly a fascinating story, and that's why I wanted to have you on. Uh, we like short, sharp, hard-hitting conversations, which is what this <laughs> is, has been. Uh, Andrew, if someone wants to reach out to you, find out more about you, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. Uh, Andrea Sutton Bogard. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, um, heritage underscore Andrea Bogard, um, and reach out to me. And I'll tell you the story behind that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can also find me uh, through my publication, ladyshooterjournal.com. Um, and uh, if you pick up any one of a whole number of magazines, um, you will probably see an article or a gun review or a bow review uh, that I have done at some point as well. So, Outstanding. Outstanding, Andrew. Well, don't freeze your butt off. I know it's Michigan, and uh, it's not as cold as it is down here, but I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.